Good morning, Brisbane, and welcome to Behind the Lights with me, Seb. And me, Jonah. As always, we pay respect to the traditional custodians of the land where you're coming from, the Gadigal people of the Aurora Nation. On to another busy sporting weekend, Jono. Uh, and it was week 15 of the Premier League, uh, delivering some big results. Uh, West Ham upsetting Chelsea, um, but we'll go into a little bit more detail later on in the pod. But the Premier League, again, delivering um, some massive results over the weekend. In the Italian Serie A, it was Inter Milan defeated AS Roma 3-0. Uh, AC Milan defeated Salentana 2-0. Uh, Atalanta defeated Napoli 3-2, or Juventus down Genoa 2-0. So tight in Italy, Jono. Top four teams uh, only separated by four points at the moment. Uh, in the Spanish La Liga, it was Sevilla defeated Villarreal 1-0. Real Betis defeated Barcelona 1-0. So Xavi's first loss as Barcelona manager. Mallorca upset Atletico Madrid 2-1, or Real Madrid continued to stay top with a 2-0 win over Real Sociedad. In the German Bundesliga, Bayer Leverkusen defeated Gröther Firth 7-1. Bayern Munich defeated Borussia Dortmund 3-2 in the big match in Germany. Hoffenheim defeated Eintracht Frankfurt 3-2, while Mainz defeated Wolfsburg 3-0. So Bayern Munich extend their lead at the top in Germany. In the Scottish Premiership, Rangers defeated Dundee FC 3-0, while Celtic down Dundee United 3-0 with Australian Tommy Rogic scoring a great goal there for Celtic um, in their big win. In the Isuzu A-League here in Australia, it was Western Sydney Wanderers 2, Wellington Phoenix 0. Brisbane Raw and Adelaide United drew 0-0. Western United upset Melbourne City 1-0. Sydney FC and Newcastle Jets drew 2-2. MacArthur continued their good start to the year with a 1-0 win over Central Coast Mariners, while Perth Glory downed Melbourne Victory 3-0. So MacArthur are early leaders in the A-League. Uh, also, the A-League women in Australia kicked off over the weekend. Uh, Wellington and Western Sydney drew 0-0. Melbourne City won Canberra United nil. Sydney FC defeated Newcastle Jets 3-1. Perth Glory defeated uh, Brisbane Raw 2-1, while Melbourne Victory downed Adelaide United 5-1. Also, Jono, over the weekend was the Women's FA Cup Final in England between Chelsea and Arsenal, definitely the two best teams in England at the moment. Uh, and it was Chelsea who came out on top, winning 3-0. Also, in some good news for Australian football fans, Sam Kerr scored twice. Her second goal, delightful little chip um, over the Arsenal keeper in front of over 41,000 fans um, at Wembley. So a great win for Chelsea, Jono. And they complete their domestic treble, obviously, of FA Cup that was delayed uh, due to COVID. Yeah, I mean, great win for them. And again, just topping off an incredible season they basically had last year as well. And just showing that they're still in fine form. Definitely one of the best teams among... Uh, among the rest in Europe. I mean, I would say it's them and Barcelona are kind of at the top of the pack. Um, but um, it's great to see them, and it's great to see Sam Kerr just keep continuing her fine form for Chelsea. I think she's really found her fit there. So it's been great to see her keep developing herself and keep on scoring goals. Yeah, great. Uh, great win for Chelsea, and obviously now their eyes firmly set um, on trying to conquer Europe um, is the next big goal for that team. Uh, the MLS playoffs, Jono, and we've got our MLS Cup final set. It's going to be Portland Timbers versus New York City. So this is be New York City's first MLS Cup final. Uh, Portland defeated Real Salt Lake 2-0 uh, to be crowned Western Conference champions, while New York City booked their first, as I said, MLS Cup final, defeating Philadelphia 2-1 uh, to win the East. Uh, a big matchup, Jono, and two teams that deserve to be there. Yeah, definitely both deserve to be there. And it's quite shocking as well that you look at New York's history, the, the caliber of players that they've had, um, that this is their first appearance, but um, it's it's not going to be easy. Portland, you know, do have experience as well getting to the stage. 
Um, they are a very, very good team. And New York has had to overcome some great teams to get there. Um, so it'll be interesting if they can keep this fine form because they are playing on a great level as, as of right now. Uh, over the weekend as well, John, it was Bathurst 1000. So uh, one of the big car races here in Australia. And it was Chaz Mostert and Lee Holdsworth. Uh, they won the famous race. It was Mostert's second Bathurst 1000 um, in what was an epic race. Uh, Cameron Walter and James Moffat combined to finish second, while Brody Kostecki and David Russell took out third. Unfortunately, there was no dream farewell, though, for Jamie Winkup, who finished his final Bathurst 1000 alongside co-driver Craig Lowndes in fourth. Uh, in cricket, India have won the second test against New Zealand by a massive 372 runs in Mumbai. Uh, New Zealand recorded their lowest test score against uh, lowest test score against India in the first innings after being bowled out for 62. And a little bit of better news for New Zealand though. It was New Zealand spinner Ajaz Patel became only the third bowler in cricket history to claim all 10 wickets in a single innings after taking all of the 10 Indian wickets during their first innings. So a little bit of good news for the New Zealand out of what was a pretty dismal test match for them. Uh, the Big Bash over here in Australia, the 2020 tournament, kicked off again over the weekend. Sydney Sixers opened the tournament with a massive win over Melbourne Stars. So Sydney Sixers made four for 213, and they bundled Melbourne Stars out for 61. Uh, so the defending champions looking impressive at the beginning of the BBL. While the Sydney Thunder defeated the Brisbane Heat as well by seven wickets. The Heat made eight for 140, with the Thunder chasing it down comfortably and finishing on three for 141. So the Big Bash League, uh, well and truly back. Uh, Ashes, Jono, first test match between Australia and England gets underway this week, Wednesday, um, the 8th of December. Uh, we'll go into a little bit more of a preview later on, but uh, always a massive series when, when England travel to Australia. Massive pressure and expectation, um, especially on the Australians, uh, with a bit, all the obviously drama that's happened uh, leading up to the series. Uh, in tennis, uh, the WTA, so we touched on this, obviously, with the whole Peng Shui uh, issue over in China. The WTA has taken uh, a stance and has suspended all WTA tournaments in China, um, obviously in response to the continued mystery around Chinese tennis star Peng Shui and her whereabouts. So, Jono, some strong action and leadership being shown by the WTA here. Yeah, and this is exactly what we did want to see as well, is you need to take a stance against these kinds of things. And we need other organizations as well across the world, sporting organizations, to start taking a stance this way. Um, I think it's a big move for them, and I hope that they continue to view to view it in this way, and they continue to make these big moves until um, we make sure everything is okay. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with that in uh, going forward in regards to where Peng Shui is and, and what the WTA do um, in the future with China. Uh, also in some tennis news, Davis Cup, Russia defeated Croatia in the Davis Cup final. Um, with Russia securing their first Davis Cup in 15 years. World number two, Denny Medvedev, defeated Marian Cilic 7-6-6-2 to give Russia an insurmountable 2-0 lead over Croatia. So a big win for the Russians. F1, Jono, it's going to go down to the final race in Abu Dhabi this weekend. Uh, Lewis Hamilton won a chaotic Saudi Arabian GP after he accused rival Max Verstappen of not driving within the rules, so definitely no love lost between those two. Verstappen finished second, while Viteri Bottas finished third. So what it means is going into the final race, Hamilton and uh, Verstappen are level on points, um, and it's a winner-takes-all in the final GP of the year. So massive uh, race coming up in the Formula 1, Jono. Yeah, and this is, um, this is what you want to see. It boils down to the last race of the year. They're tied on points. I mean, the two best drivers as well have been throughout the year. 
Um, and it's that winner take all situation. You you couldn't have asked for anything more, especially if you, you know you're a huge fan of F1. Um, this is exactly what you want to see, and it's just going to come down to who's going to race better on the day. So flip of a coin. Should be an amazing race out there in uh, Abu Dhabi. Uh, NFL, John, it was week 13. We'll start with a bit of news off the field, though, with the NFL. So Tampa Bay Buccaneers receiver Antonio Brown, safety Mike Edwards, and former Buck John Franklin um, have all been banned for three games after investigating claims they used fake COVID-19 vaccination cards. John, so it's some massive news coming out of the NFL. Yeah, I mean, this is huge. It's going to be a continuing investigation as well. But, I mean... You just can't be doing this kind of stuff. And and again, to have Antonio Brown's name floating around, bad things once again, just shows that, you know what, maybe his time in the NFL is done. Um, but this is going to be bigger. They're, they're assuming as well that there's probably some other players as well who is doing this too. So I think it's a huge story and it's definitely going to be developing, but just wrong on so many levels as well. So I think three games is actually quite um, soft. It possibly should have been more for, for what they're doing. But um, looking at the NFL in, in general... Um, you know, this week as well, we're, we're closing in. We have a couple weeks left. we got about five weeks left in the, in the regular season. So the playoff push is truly there. Um, one big thing as well is that I've really noticed is the Chiefs are definitely going to be making the playoffs now. They have really turned around their season, which is great to see. You want to see Patrick Mahomes. You want to see the Chiefs get in there. They've definitely turned around their season. Um, and they look like that they're going to be comfortably going into the playoffs. They have, you know, a couple tough matches uh, ahead of them. But... As long as they keep playing the way that they are, you know, they dropped their games early, but now they've kind of been on a little bit of a streak, so it's great to see. Um, there's also been some chatter as well that there could be, this could be the possibly the last season for Big Ben over at Pittsburgh, so Ben Roethlisberger. Um, the big thing for him is, you know, it's going to be dependent if, if he can finish it in a playoff appearance or not. They're kind of on the cusp there. Um, this week, they did have a great win, 20-19 um, against the Ravens, which showed, you know what, they are a decent team. But they have a lot of ground to make up as well to even get into that wild card contention. So it'll be interesting to see if uh, if Big Ben can kind of go out on a high or a little bit of a low. Um, and then lastly, as this podcast airs today, we will be having a match against the Patriots versus the Bills. It's a battle for the uh, AFC East. I think it's going to be huge as well. Right now, the Patriots have actually creeped up before the week started to the top of the AFC. So again, somehow Bill Belichick has been able to pull out all the stops and be able to really bring this Patriots team to something. Um, so it's going to be really interesting. I think this match is going to be really determined as well. Like I said, who's going to be taking that that crown there out of the Bills and the Patriots um, for their division too? So something to really look forward to today watching. Yeah, massive game uh, in the NFL there. Uh, NBA, John, obviously continued as well. The Suns and Warriors faced off while it was the Battle of LA um, over the weekend. Yeah, and I mean, even starting with the Suns and Warriors, I mean, look, they played twice within a span of a couple days. So the Suns taking the first win, the Warriors taking the second, snapping the Suns' um, winning streak. But I think we learned a lot from this from those two games in particular. I mean, the first game, the Suns were able to take it um, with Devin Booker being injured quite early in the game. You know, and what it showed as well is that the Warriors, of course, lost that game realistically because Steph Curry was just not on his game. But it shows the dependency as well that they are on Steph Curry and on hot shooting. Look, that's great that they have such a great shooter, but there are going to be games like that where he's not going to be on form and somebody else needs to step up. And there was that lack of production, whereas the Phoenix Suns lost their star player completely and they were still able to get the win. Now, going into the second game that they played, Steph Curry was on form shooting lights out as he normally does. 
they took it pretty easily. So, you know, it's kind of looking at it in both ways, but um, definitely showed some vulnerability there from the Warriors. Um, so maybe that is where Clay Thompson, when he does get back healthy, that's where he's going to slide in. He's right now playing a little bit in the G League, so the league below as kind of some practice. Um, so that's exactly what they kind of need. And then secondly as well, that this, this last week or so really showed that the Bulls are definitely going to be a team that you do not want to play. You should be scared of the Bulls. Um, you know, they're sitting comfortably second in the East right now, right behind Brooklyn. But um, they are not an easy team to beat. They have so many different options, which is great to see. So great to see the Bulls keep on um, keep on chucking away. But um, we'll keep an eye on things as, as things progress and um, keep seeing if those Lakers can slowly uh, climb the ladder there as well. Yeah, still a bit inconsistent for the Lakers, but um, obviously a long way to go uh, in the NBA. Well, John, as we said, it was week 15 of the English Premier League. Uh, some massive results coming out and obviously a bit of a change at the top of the league. Uh, what were your main takeaways from week 15? Yeah, I guess, I mean, we can even start with the first one is that change at the top, like you said. I think it was just really a missed opportunity for Chelsea to just continue their streak. Um, you know, look, you're playing against a tough opponent, don't get me wrong, but you need to know that these are those must-win games, especially when you have City and Liverpool breathing down your neck. You need to perform on these games. You need to win the, win these ga- these tough games, no matter what. Um, and they've really slipped up here because now they've dropped down. You know, and, and this is such a tight race that... You can't, you can't be dropping these games. Every point counts. So I think it was a really big miss opportunity this week for Chelsea. Like I said, as great as they played, as great as um, an opponent they play, you really got to make sure that you win these games. And those, you know, and then you, you go into the games when you're playing against the City, playing against the Liverpool, those ones that you are battling at the top. That's when it's okay maybe to get a draw, walk away with that, but you can't walk away with a loss on the weekend. And then also speaking about another team that, that did have, that's kind of sitting there or who is sitting right now currently at the top. Um, with City I just think that they're playing incredible right now Bernardo Silva as well is just on another level but they just also at the same time miss so many chances within the game they create so much and also miss so much so look maybe in some games that because they create so many goals they have the opportunity to still score three four goals but when when you do play against those other top ones so when you're going to play against the Liverpools when you play against the Chelsea for those top spots it's going to be really difficult because you need to make sure you take those chances. So I just see from time to time, some of those players, they just continue to miss. Um, and they really need to make sure that they have that knack for goal and make sure they put them away when they have one, two chances. It doesn't need every game. They're not going to have five, six chances, but they do quite often miss. And then lastly, um, I like you know Tottenham getting back to their winning ways. I think it's good for the league as well to see Tottenham to see you know the teams like Arsenal and everything kind of going up to the top. I, I wish all the great success to Conte over at Tottenham. I think this week as well, look, they had a little bit of an easier opponent, but I think they're playing well and they're looking to score goals as well. Um, so that was great to see, but uh, I, I really hope that they continue their, their form. And I hope at least it makes it a little bit interesting for you know West Ham, Tottenham, United, Arsenal, all battling for that fourth and fifth spot there. So we'll keep an eye on that as we keep progressing through the Premier League. Yeah, certainly some intriguing storylines coming out of the Premier League, and, and it's clear it's going to be a three-way tussle at the top, um, but obviously we've got a whole bunch of teams just in behind. They're also battling for that fourth spot and relegation as well. Yeah. Um, another fight at the bottom. For me, Jono, uh, I guess the number one thing was Newcastle finally yeah. recording their first win of the season, so a first, a first win for Eddie Howe, uh, and Newcastle, Callum Wilson getting the goal um, for Newcastle against Burnley. Um, a massive win because they've got a tough few fixtures coming up um, so they really need that win they're actually off the bottom of the table Norwich have now slid to the bottom uh, after their loss 
um, against Tottenham. So uh, really needed for Newcastle, and they're giving and hopefully they'll give themselves a fighting chance to get out of that bottom three. Um, as you mentioned, Chelsea suffering that defeat against West Ham. It was a strange game. Chelsea were in control going into the break, mm. 2-1 up. They seemed like they were in control, and then West Ham just hit them in that second half. Obviously, a bit of a, a lucky third goal for West Ham. I think uh, it was meant to be a cross, but uh, Mendy sort of fluffed his lines a little bit yeah. and misread it, and um, it went in. So uh, a big win, though, for West Ham because they uh, they moved, they moved gave themselves that little bit of breathing room in fourth spot, so moving to 27 points. Um, and David Moyes, Jono, just keeps doing it for West Ham, and they've uh, another big boy they've beaten this year. Yeah, I mean, like I said, what West Ham's been able to do is incredible. And right now, I mean, I'm putting them in as a shoo-in for the fourth spot there. You know, like, they're they're playing much better than, than the Uniteds are. They're playing better than Arsenal. You know, the only team that's on the up-and-up out of those as well, maybe Tottenham, we'll see. But, um, yeah, great to see. But, but, yeah, Chelsea definitely, like I said, they switched off. Missed opportunity there for sure. Um, yeah, so it'll be massive to see. The only thing with West Ham, as we've mentioned before, is depth of squad. Yeah. A few injuries. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that affects the team. Obviously, they're also progressing in Europe, so they are going to have a lot of games coming Balance, up yeah. over this January, over this Christmas period, and then obviously going into the new year. And my last point, Jono, Ralph Rangnick uh, finally took charge of his first game at Manchester United. Got a win, 1-0 over Crystal Palace. Uh, Fred, the unlikely goal scorer. Actually, a great goal by Fred. He was yeah. his right foot. Um, Jono, though, uh, people are coming out saying that obviously United were very impressive. They could see more of a press in this game. They were winning the ball higher up. Uh, a little bit too early, though, to uh, to really make a judgment on this United team. I guess we'll have to see um, over this Christmas period and then going into the new year how the Runyuk effect uh, affects this team. Yeah, I mean, you, you always see whenever a team gets a new manager, it's a bit of that almost like giddiness. You know, everybody wants to impress. They want to make sure that they're going to be locked in for as the team progressing. So you can't really take too much from the first game here. As you said, it's really going to be about those down periods and everything where he can start really implementing his own tactics and really stylistically changing that team a little bit. So it'll be more looking at that January period, end of January, and as we go in, keep progressing within the new year. Looking at the run, though, they do have a good run. Yeah. Uh, Runnick's first few games are games that United should be winning and should yeah, be getting yeah. points from. So uh, he might be able to possibly create a little bit of good momentum yeah, uh, going into next year yeah. and obviously um, trying to get United back into those Champions League spots. But uh be interesting to see what happens with Ralph and obviously Champions League as well yeah. uh, in the mix. Well, as we mentioned, Jono, uh, the Ashes kicks off this week. Uh, always a big series, always a lot of intrigue, always a lot of... Uh, chatter around it. England, Australia taking on England, the first test match at the Gabba, uh, first test match of five uh, over the summer. Jono, has been a lot of drama in the builder. Uh, we'll start with the Australian team. Um, and obviously, the stepping down of Captain Tim Payne mm. um, after obviously those allegations um, and text, mas- text messages uh, from 2017. Uh, I guess just looking on the surface of it, Jono, do you think the drama that has surrounded the Australian team, the change of captaincy with now Pat Cummings uh, taking the captaincy of the of the Australian team, do you think that will affect the team at all going into this first test match? Yeah, I mean, I'm a huge person and believer about that locker room dynamic. And I think that realistically, when you look at Australian cricket as a whole and the problems that they've realistically had with captains in the last 10 years or so. It just seems to be never-ending. And that's that inconsistency at the top as well. 
you know, you, you look to your captain for that stability. You look for, to your captain for that voice of reason. And you look at them in-game as well as that person that you can look at and make sure that they're making the correct decision. So that inconsistency at the top in leadership, I think will have more of an effect, not necessarily on them their play-wise, but it's that locker room dynamic. And as they keep progressing through the test series, um, it, that's where it can kind of take that toll. So it's, it's that inconsistency. And again, everything is still relatively fresh as well. So it's not like this is an issue that's happened now a year or so ago. This is relatively fresh as well. So that changes that just recently happened as well, that, that could really have that effect um, in that locker room. And then again, that's where then it could have an effect as well um, once they get that out there on the field. So Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that dynamic works. Obviously, Pat Cummings is going to have to implement his own style mm. onto that team. Obviously, he's a well-respected um, cricketer and uh, person within that dynamic, within that team dynamic. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how Pat Cummings can deal with it. Obviously, a lot of pressure, uh, possibly the biggest series that you will, or is the biggest yeah. series you'll be involved in as an Australian cricketer. Um, so as I said, it'll be interesting in, to see how, how that dynamic plays out through the first test. Also, some big selection uh, selections have been made for that first test match for the Australian team with Travis Head um, being preferred to... Uh, instead of Usman Kawaja. So Usman Kawaja's been in great form for Queensland, uh, but Travis Head has got the has got uh, the number five spot for this first test match, while Alex Carey, the wicketkeeper, has come in for Tim Payne. So it'll be interesting to see how those boys perform as well. Uh, looking at the captaincy, John, I guess even in a general sporting sense, how do you think the captaincy will affect Pat Cummins and his own individual performance? Obviously one of Australia's leading bowlers, yeah. um, obviously so critical to that bowling lineup, but obviously a lot more... Um, demand on him now in terms of needing to captain and lead this team. Yeah, and that that is going to be the the thing to keep an eye on is is that difference um, in mentality because you know you think about it and now you know you're not just bowling just to to support the team. As I said, when you're the captain, you're the leader, you're the one that they're looking to. So it's that little added pressure. And again, I think it still comes down to the fact of how how he became captain as well. Um, that could have a bit of a play on him. That he feels the pressure of now going in and making sure he's leading this Australian team. And so, you know, in particular when you're bowling as well, and it's, you know, you have to make sure your your accuracy, everything is so perfect as well. So you think about that and the added pressure now of being captain, it could really have an effect. Or, again, it could have that reverse effect as well where, you know, he, he, he thrives in that pressure too. And that's where you have that, that little extra bit. And that's when, that's the big difference as well of some of these great captains across all sports as well, is they love that added pressure. I mean, we talk about it as well. Even, you know, you can look at in the football context of Ronaldo when it says pressure situations, last minute penalties. He loves that. So some players... It lifts their performance. Yeah, they, they, they love it. So it could be that difference here. But no matter what, there is now a huge added pressure um, on, on his shoulders here. So that will be a little bit of a difference. We can see if it's going to be, you know, elevating his game or a little bit of digressing his game as well. Well, the other big decision that has had a lot of conversation around it has been... Uh, Readmitting Steve Smith into that leadership yeah. group, so he's now going to be vice captain. Apparently, um, he will also be helping Pat Cummings out on the field. But it'll be interesting to see how that also works out because there is only one captain, and yeah. Pat Cummings yeah. needs to make sure he, the the, he's the, the boys respect him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and obviously, use Steve Smith as a support basis there, but he's also going to make sure that um, that he is the captain and yeah. that he's leading the team and he's making the decisions that he thinks uh, fits this team best. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out as well. And obviously, um, we all know what happened to Steve Smith a couple, yeah. you know, with that South African series. So a bit of a redemption for him in terms of being brought back into that leadership uh, position. 
Looking at the English, Jono, we've got um, the return of Ben Stokes into the English squad. So at his best, possibly the best all-rounder uh, in the game. Um, obviously, he's been out for a while. His own uh, off-field issues, I guess, mental issues, trying to get himself back to um, the player that we know and love seeing, even though we are Australian and obviously <laughs> he is the enemy. Um, but how do you think, in terms of, I guess, a crucial part of this English squad, how do you think the return of Ben Stokes uh, can affect this team? And, and looking, obviously, at a, at a team dynamic where um, individuals and crucial individuals can really decide a series. Yeah, I mean, as you said as well, he is one of the best all-arounders for a reason as well. And um, look, you know, you as an Australian fan as well, loving what he does on the on, on You've the got field. to appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, it just shows as well what he brings to the table. Um, so I think it's it's huge for England. It's that huge. It's that extra boost as well. I mean, coming into this, Australia seems to be put as the favourites, and it's that extra boost as well that there is that chance. You know, there is there is the ability to do it. They do have the talent, um, and I think that he just kind of adds that little bit of extra edge as well. And as you said, as, as being an all arounder as well, that's what you need. You need that balance of of ability too. Um, so it's great. It's a great added bonus to them. Among you know, they they do have as well some other struggles with injuries and everything as well. So it's great to have them added to the squad. Yeah, I think he's just obviously gives that English team um, and a dynamic um, and a quality that that none of the other players can bring. So if he can somehow rediscover some of the form uh, before obviously yeah. had this break, it'll be a massive boost for England and go a long way to to hopefully giving him a chance in this series. The other, obviously, key cog in that is Joe Root, the captain. Um, he needs to bat really well for yeah. this team. He needs to make runs. He needs to lead from the front. Um, he doesn't have an amazing record in Australia, um, so he'll want to get that right. And obviously, um, England haven't won in Australia for a while now, and it's always um, a big... Um, if he can guide his English team to to victory here in Australia, it'll be, it'll be a massive... Um, a massive thing for him as captain and obviously something he could cherish for the rest of his career. So um, he's the other key cog, um, I think, for the English. A big loss, though, for English is, is unfortunately Jofra Archer, yep. a dynamic fast bowler um, who really broke onto the scene. The previous Ashes series really uh, came to the fore. He won't be here due to injury. Jono, in terms of looking at, I guess, the bowling side of England, a massive loss because Joff Archer gives you that something different and he's quick as well, which you need in Australia and aggressive uh, with the Australian batsman. Yeah, and, and that's what you said. He gives that bit of an edge. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's something that's definitely going to be missed. And I know there was chatter as well that he possibly would be back in time for this um, from his um, surgery that he did have. But unfortunately for them, you know, it's unfortunate that he's now not going to be um, traveling with them and, and being able to be in the team. But um, yeah, huge loss for them. But now they're just going to have to... This is when you have to rally as well. I mean, every team comes up with this. And and look, knowing that there was possibly that chance as well, like I said, that he was possibly going to play or not play, that's when you need to make sure that you are prepared. But they're definitely going to be missing him. Um, he is a great, a great bowler. Yeah, the English again will be leaning on 39-year-old James Anderson. He just keeps going around. Um, and obviously, Stuart Broad, the other veteran in the in the bowling ranks. But uh, massive task for them. Um there has been a bit of rain, obviously, with um, around Australia at the yep. moment, so it might be a little bit more English conditions <laughs> in that first test, which obviously England will love in terms yep. of a little bit more grass, a little bit more seam, a bit more movement uh, with the ball. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how the bowling stocks uh, hold up uh, in Australia, obviously, with such an aggressive Australian batting lineup. John, going into the series, Australia are hot favourites. England are coming in as the underdogs, but who actually do you feel has more pressure? on them going into the series? 
Yeah, you know, I, well, I kind of, I, I want to say Australia for the for the fact of of everything that's happening off the field with the captaincy. Um, I want to say that that's that little pressure of just being able to finally figure it out and just get that leadership right. I think that's more pressure among the players, not necessarily for them to necessarily win. But I think if you just look at who personally, as they rock up, feels a bit more under pressure, um, I think it's for them. Whereas England, you know, when you go in as well as underdogs, um, yes, I mean, look, they, they need to win. They ha- As you said, they have not won Australian soil in a long time. So that pressure to win is there. But you, know, you do have a little bit of that leeway as well in terms of just winning. Um, but I do think, you know, Australia, they, they, they're st- for having so many off the field problems, they need to perform on the field now. Going into the series, I would have said England coming in, obviously, with all the questions around the squad. But uh, obviously, with recent events around the Australian team, I agree. I think Australia is actually going to go into this series with a little bit more pressure on their mm. back. A few questions to be answered. Obviously, Pat Cummings' leadership, um, obviously, how that affects with, with Tim Payne stepping away. Um, and Australia are expected to perform and expected to win yeah. uh, in Australia when it comes to an Ashes. So um, there'll be massive pressure, and hopefully, uh, that pressure won't be too much for the squad and they, and they can perform really well um, and get the series off to a great start in this first test match. All right, Jono, who wins and what will the series score be? I mean, look, I'm going to back Australia here. I'm thinking it's going to be Australia just taking it home. Nice and easy, easy breezy, 3-1 series score. 3-1 to Australia. I'm going to go 3-1 as well to Australia. I think England will get one. Um, and there will be a draw somewhere because we never know with the weather. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think Australia to win the series three one as well. But uh, as I said, always great watching when the when the Ashes starts, and it'll be great to see the Barmy Army um, in Australia as well, um, and full crowds, which will be great atmospheres at the grounds. All right, Jono. As always, we'll end with five quick questions you're you're asking me this week. Yep, you ready? Let's go. All right. So as we touched on with the Antonio Brown situation. Um, should all players be required to be vaccinated to play in all sports? Massive question. I think I think they should. And I think most players, the vast majority, have got vaccinated and have done the right thing. But I think if you don't want to get vaccinated, I think it's going to make it very tough. We've already we know the countless um, stories and, and people that have sort of obviously from Kyrie Irving to, to Joshua Kimmich with Bayern Munich, Novak Djokovic with the Australian Open. So I think you do need to make a steadfast rule. You can't yeah. have can't have any shade in there because that's going to make it um, very tricky to sort of administer. So I yeah. think I think athletes do, unless it's a medical reason, they, they should be getting vaccinated to be able to play. I think for the level of travel that athletes have, they need to be vaccinated for the, for the reason of protection for themselves and then protection for the communities that they go in. But um, we definitely need to see tighter rules against this because, I mean, what's happened in the NFL, what's happening in the NBA, um, we need to have some tighter restrictions around that. Absolutely. Um, next one is, should Lewandowski have won the Ballon d'Or? So we saw Messi win his historic seventh Ballon d'Or. Should Lewandowski have won? I that? mean, you can never argue against Messi because of what such a great player, but basing it off the last year, which is what the Ballon d'Or is based off, I feel like Lewandowski was the best player. And he's breaking that German goal-scoring record, winning the Champions League. Um, he's never going to win the Euros with Poland, so I guess looking at that international part of it, it it's hard for Lewandowski to compete um, when, when Messi's playing for Argentina. Obviously, he won that Copa America. So I do think Lewandowski should have won it this year. So, I mean, kind of piggybacking on that as well for the next question is, 
should we remove international success from voting in the Ballon d'Or? Because a lot say, it, you know, Messi winning was because of what he did with Argentina. Whereas you said, you look at Lewandowski, he's not going to be able to have that success with Poland. So should we be removing that from the equation? I mean, we have some young stars like you know, Holland as well, who'll never be able to necessarily win a World Cup with his international team. So should that be taking out of the reason of for Ballon d'Or? I think it can be part of the reason. Obviously, you've only got a World Cup, what, every four years, the Euro sort of... Um, two years sort of you've always got those international gaps anyway so i think it can be taken into account for when we have those big tournaments um but yes yeah, so I, I agree that it needs to be you need to think of these things when you are voting in regards to the, obviously all the journalists that do vote that that some players are going to be at a disadvantage in regards to to who their international team is and sometimes they actually can't perform at these yeah um big tournaments so i think club football that is really where you see a play because obviously you see them over a long, consistent time um, and to perform at such a high level as Lewandowski did for Bayern Munich, I think he uh, he did deserve it this year. So very unlucky. Yeah, definitely. Now, um, switching over to Sam Kerr and the, her success with Chelsea, would you peg her as um, the best Australian to play football as of in your history of your game? I know she still has a long career, but men's or women's? Men's or women's. She's so far the best Australian to play the game. She very well could end her career in those lights, and I think she already probably has passed so many great Australian footballers. I'm not going to say she's the best yet, um, but she's well and truly on her way. Probably the, the best female we've ever we've ever had in terms of success as well. Yeah. Um, in terms of the male game, she's certainly um, she's certainly putting herself in the picture. Um, so I won't say the best yet, but certainly by the end of her career, potentially could be. Yeah, by the end of her career, she could have so many trophies. So just in success, she will definitely be up there. Um, last one. This is um, more of a personal note for you. So it's been a while, I know, for you since you filled in for a nice cricket team. I know you played this weekend scoring a half century, but did you lead your team to success? Well, I led them to success, mate. Yes, yeah, so I filled in for a, a mate's 2020 tournament last man standing uh, if you've ever heard of quite a big tournament actually um all around so uh yes yeah, scored a nice 50 there you go. and uh led the led the team to victory which was uh, a nice way to uh finish the weekend came out of his cricket retirement for that that's uh, a big one there scoring 50 can't look past that maybe the whites will be coming back on who knows what the future holds for me in my uh in my cricketing career could be uh could be back again there you go uh, anyway, that brings to the end another episode of Behind the Lights with me, Seb. And me, Jonna. As always, thank you for your support and good night.